0: the incremental anti-diet solution for effective permanent weight loss. Primal Potential is committed to helping you overcome emotional eating, hormonal imbalances, unhealthy habits, and your dieting mindset through education and inspiration. We don't just talk about what you should eat and what you should avoid. We talk strategy. Primal Potential is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton, and I am so glad you're here today. Today is the first episode dedicated completely to your questions and requests. And a big request from you all has been for me to take a deep dive into carbohydrates. Everybody, when it comes to fat loss, is talking about carbohydrates and which carbs are the right ones or are any carbs right? Or when should I eat them? When should I not? And I've talked a lot about this in different episodes. In episode two, I talked about carbohydrates and how they drive the hormone insulin And in episode five, I talked about sugar and cravings. In episode seven, I talked specifically about timing carbohydrates for ultimate fat loss. But you guys have said you want a nuts and bolts episode on carbohydrates. So that's what we're gonna do today. And we're gonna cover a lot of stuff. We're gonna cover what carbohydrates actually are, whether or not we need them, if our bodies need them at all, how they are metabolized, how they impact our hormones and fat loss, Then we'll talk about the right carbs for fat loss, the right time for carbs for fat loss, the right amount of carbs for fat loss, and how we can manipulate the way we exercise to allow us to eat more carbohydrates. But we gotta dive in because we have a lot to get covered. This episode might run a little bit longer than our normal 20 to 30 minutes, but that's okay because it's got lots of good stuff in here. This actually might be my very favorite topic to go through, so I'm really excited. So carbohydrates are a macronutrient. That means they provide energy in the form of calories. Other macronutrients are fat, protein, and alcohol. Micronutrients are different. Those are things like our vitamins and minerals, and while they supply nutrients, they don't supply calories. Let's talk for just one second about what calories actually are, because I think that a general flawed understanding contributes to a lot of our weight loss challenges. We tend to think that calories are bad and we always strive to eat less of them and figure we'll lose more weight if we just eat fewer calories. A calorie isn't some magical thing though that piles up on your hips and makes you look fat. A calorie is just a unit of measurement, just like a meter, an inch, a yard, a centimeter, a degree. So what is it that calories are measuring then? Well, in the simplest way, they're measuring the energy potential within a food. How much potential fuel or energy that food can provide us. Carbohydrates do have fewer calories per gram than fat. and They have the same amount of calories per gram as protein. So every gram of carbohydrates contains four calories. So this is an easy way to do a calculation if you know that a particular food has, say, 20 Grams of carbohydrate, then you just take 20 grams times four calories, and that tells you the total number of calories that are coming from carbohydrate in that food. Fat, on the other hand, has more than twice as much energy potential. One gram of fat delivers nine calories. And remember, that just means not that fat is necessarily fattening, but that fat has the potential to deliver more energy in a smaller amount of total food than carbohydrate or protein. All right, so what exactly are carbohydrates? They are chains of sugar. That's that's what they are. They are chains of sugar, and they can be long, complex chains, or they can be short, simple chains. But any carbohydrate you eat is a chain of sugar. This includes vegetables, wheat, oats, rice, potatoes, fruit, potato chips, pretzels, All carbohydrates, I hate to break it to you, but vegetable is not a macronutrient. You can't say, oh, that's not a carb, it's a vegetable. Oh, that's not a carb, it's a fruit. Vegetable is not a macronutrient. Fruit is not a macronutrient. They are carbohydrates. Yeah, their carbohydrate chains are different lengths and different sizes, so some carbohydrates break into more sugar than others, but at their core, carbohydrates are chains of sugar. And because they are chains of sugar they're broken down or metabolized pretty quickly by the body. Remember that calories are a measure of the energy potential in a food. So the fact that carbohydrates break down relatively quickly by the body means that they're a quick source of energy. And I like to explain it, and you've probably heard me do this before, with the analogy of fueling a fire. If you are trying to keep a fire burning, You can't really expect to do that for a long time with things like twigs and kindling and newspaper and gasoline. Yeah, they're a good way to fan the flame, but only for a couple of minutes at best. They burn hot and they burn fast, but they fizzle out quickly. They provide an immediate fuel surge, but it doesn't last. And that's how carbohydrate acts in your body. It can be a really great rapid acting fuel, but it's not gonna last, right? It burns really fast, really hot. Fat and protein, however, are kind of the equivalent of the hefty logs on the fire. They're slower to metabolize, and they provide more sustained energy over time. They burn more slowly, giving us more fuel over a longer period of time. So we've established that carbs are fuel. They provide energy, and they do so pretty quickly. But are they essential? Do we need them in our diet for optimal health? And this isn't a debate on whether or not we should have carbohydrates, we'll get to that, but it's just a simple matter of whether or not they're necessary for the function of our body. There's no question that glucose or sugar, which is a building block of carbohydrates, is the preferred fuel source for certain functions within the body. However, here's the thing we have to remember. Glucose can be generated by our body without us eating carbohydrates. So we do not need to eat carbs to get glucose. It can be made from other substrates within the body. Here's what's really interesting to me. Energy, providing energy or fuel, is the only function that carbohydrates have within the body. Fat and protein are different. They have structural and functional roles within the body. Fats help to make our hormones. They carry fat-soluble vitamins. They're a critical component of every cell. Enzymes are made from proteins. Proteins are required for immunity, for healing, and for repair. Carbs just provide energy, and energy is really important, but we can get that energy from other places. So from a necessary-for-life standpoint, carbohydrates are not. Fat and proteins, however, absolutely are. And this doesn't mean we shouldn't eat them, or we can't eat them and burn fat, or we can't eat them and be healthy, but I do think it's important to realize that they aren't necessary, especially when we consider how they tend to dominate our diets from a percentage standpoint. All right, here's where it gets really interesting, and here's where we start to see how and why we're gaining weight, or at a minimum, how and why we're struggling to take the weight off. The key is in understanding how carbs are metabolized and stored. All right, so we established that carbohydrates are chains of sugar of varying lengths and sizes, right? They can be straight chains, branch chains, but they're all chains of sugar molecules, glucose, fructose, things like that, tiny little sugars. Well, it makes sense that when we metabolize these carbs, they break back down into their smaller building blocks. So when we metabolize carbohydrates, they break down to their smallest parts, which are these little sugar molecules, these things like glucose and fructose. Well, on their way to be stored, this sugar, whether it's glucose, fructose, whatever, it enters the bloodstream. And the hormone insulin is released when sugar hits the bloodstream because insulin's job is to usher that sugar from the blood to be stored. Now, it's important to note that if sugar hits your bloodstream because you just drank a Gatorade during your 26-mile marathon, that sugar is probably going to be used immediately for energy. But for the rest of us, we're usually not mid-workout or being chased by a tiger when we introduce that sugar to our system. And remember, I'm not saying you had a tablespoon of sugar, but that's what all of our carbohydrates break down to. So since we're not mid-workout or being chased by a tiger, that sugar needs to be stored. And insulin, being the usher, taking it out of your blood and taking it to wherever it's going to be stored, it has a few drop-off options. The first place it's going to try and take this excess sugar or glucose in your blood is to the muscle. Storage space there is limited, but it's very easily accessible. So during your next workout or the next time you're chased for a bear, it can tap into the storage form of glucose in your muscles and break it down for energy the storage space is limited. So if you are eating carbs on a regular basis and not exercising regularly to tap into that fuel to break it down for energy, chances are that the storage space in the muscles is all full. It is very limited. It is a small storage space. So if it's all full there, which for most of us it probably is, the next stop, the insulin is going to try and take this excess sugar or glucose to the liver. Again, again, Easy access in case your body needs to generate fuel, but very limited storage. And I'm I'm talking seriously limited. The storage space combined between your muscles, all of your muscles, and your liver is about 400 grams, and that is not per day. That is total capacity. So if you're not working out regularly or you're eating carbs on a regular basis, chances are that both of those storage sites are full, no vacancy. But insulin has another storage option. And this is what we call carbohydrate spillover. It's also called lipogenesis, which essentially means creating fat, lipo being fat, genesis being create. And this is where most of us live most of the time after every carb-rich meal, which for many of us is all of our meals. So the muscle storage, full. Liver storage, full we get into carbohydrate spillover or lipogenesis. This excess glucose is converted to fat. That fat either continues to circulate in your blood, and this is where we see things like elevated triglycerides when we get our lipid panel done by our doctor, or it is stored in your adipose tissue, AKA body fat, both not great options. And here's where it gets even worse. This storage space is unlimited and it is not easily accessed. Remember we said that the storage space in the liver and the muscles is very limited and easily accessed? Well, our body fat is unlimited and not easily accessed. Once it gets stored as body fat, your body considers this its emergency fuel reserve and it doesn't give it up without a fight. So think about that the next time you eat a carbohydrate rich meal. Where will that sugar be stored when those carbohydrates are broken down? Will your body need it for immediate fuel while you're sitting on the couch watching Lost for the 10th time? No, it won't. Have you been active enough to deplete those muscle stores so that there's somewhere for that glucose to go or have you decided that it's destined for it to be stored as body fat because you're eating such a high volume of carbohydrate in any form and because you're not as active as you would need to be to tap into that uh, storage in the muscles so that there's room for it to go. So understanding the metabolism and storage of carbohydrates is a huge part of the equation when it comes to having the information we need to reach our weight loss goals. The other part of the equation comes from understanding what happens when we raise our blood sugar. Remember that carbohydrates, whether they're from oats, wheat, grain, rice, fruit, processed foods, juice, soda... They're chains of simple sugars. And when our body breaks them down during the digestive process, they're broken down into their simplest parts, and those simplest parts are sugar. In route to storage, the sugar travels through the blood, and the hormone insulin is released in response to elevated blood sugar so that it can usher the sugar to its storage place. And this relatively fast process is an incredibly influential part of fat burning or fat storage. Insulin is probably the single most important hormone in the fat loss or fat gain process and we have to manage it if we want to reach our goals. We have to, we absolutely have to. Our control of our blood sugar and our control of our insulin response is the primary determinant of our energy levels, our cravings, our hunger, our focus, our mood, and so much more. Here's the bottom line that you need to understand. Are you ready for this? Because this, I mean, this is a game changer. Your body cannot and will not burn fat when insulin is high. Just think about it. It really does make a lot of sense. Our bodies do make a lot of sense. It's just that many of us haven't ever really had it explained in a simple way, but if you think about it, it makes so much sense. Insulin is deployed when there's fuel that needs to be stored, right? There's extra sugar, in the form of glucose in the blood that needs to be taken away and stored. So insulin is telling the body, hey, there's plenty of fuel here. We are now in storage mode. And that message sent by insulin turns off any and all of your fat burning machinery. Why? Well, because fat burning generates extra energy for the body and insulin has sent the signal that there is an excess of energy and no more is needed. Now, Here's where kind of the rubber meets the road in this understanding right here. And this is where a lot of people get it wrong. In order for your body to go into fat burning mode and stay in fat burning mode, two conditions have to be met. Two. A lot of us focus on only one of them, but there are two. Number one is the right hormonal environment. Now, insulin is a hormone. That's playing a huge part there. Number two is that there has to be less fuel available then your body needs to operate. You're ha- you have to create a situation where your body goes in search of more energy and then the right hormonal environment will tell your body to tap into your fat stores for that. Many people focus on only number two. They focus on eating fewer calories. They eat less, but they create hormonal chaos in the body without realizing that in order for your body to break down fat, you need the action of a hormone called glucagon. And glucagon works kind of as the opposite of insulin. Where insulin is deployed in response to excess fuel and then facilitates storage, glucagon is deployed when there isn't enough fuel and facilitates the breakdown of body fat to provide fuel for the body. But glucagon cannot do its job when insulin is hanging around. They're opposites. And insulin carries more weight. No pun intended. So we absolutely, positively have to manage our blood sugar if we want to get into and stay in fat-burning mode. Now, a lot of people will assume that this means we shouldn't eat any carbs if we ever wanna lose weight, and that's just not true. We have to make sure we're eating the right carbs at the right time in the right amounts, and we're respecting the storage sites for sugar. Now, this might sound complicated, but it's really not. We're gonna get into the details. There's just a few small choices you have to make to kind of balance this out and be able to enjoy carbs and still burn fat. We'll get into that in just one minute, but there's one more important topic that I really want to cover that is very much misunderstood. And I think when we're talking about this uh, understanding of carbs and how they influence our blood sugar and choosing the right carbs, we absolutely positively have to address this. So while all carbohydrates are made up of building blocks of sugar, obviously carbs have different total amounts of sugar and a different impact on our blood sugar overall. For example... An apple is a carbohydrate, and a cupcake is primarily carbohydrate. They obviously have very different amounts of sugar and a very different impact on our blood sugar, therefore requiring a different level of response of insulin, right? Right. For optimal fat loss, we want to manage our blood sugar as carefully as possible and really moderate our insulin response. So we need to choose carbs that have less of an ability to spike our blood sugar. Because the more extreme the spike in blood sugar, the bigger the insulin response it will produce and the longer we'll be kept out of fat burning mode. And this is where the misconception comes into play. We have been told that wheat for example, is a good carbohydrate because it has fiber. And people feel like they're doing a good thing when they choose wheat bread over white bread, but this is very misleading. Everybody tune in here because this is huge, and I think a lot of people don't understand this, but this simple switch could make such a huge difference in your fat loss. Wheat is what we call a complex carbohydrate, okay? It's made up of repeating chains of simple sugars, And most of the carbohydrate in wheat is in the form of these big branched chains of glucose instead of like long straight chains. So imagine a long linear chain being a stick with no branches. Wheat is more like a long stick with lots of branches, a few big branches, and then hundreds of little branches off of the big branches. Well, carbohydrates that are these chains with tons of branches, they actually break down much faster. Why? Because the enzymes that are required to break them down, when there's more surface area, more of these branches, they can get in there and have lots more room to work, right? As opposed to just one straight chain, there's not as much surface area. If you think about like a slinky, when you scrunch the slinky down, there's not as much total surface area. So, if little Pac-Mans were coming in to break down that slinky when it's all scrunched together, it would be a lot harder than if you expand the slinky out. There's a lot more surface area for all those little Pac-Mans to get in there. So, why does that matter? The fact that it's this long branch chain means that it's broken down much faster. But this means that the glucose hits your bloodstream faster and causes a more extreme blood sugar spike. And that more extreme blood sugar spike causes a bigger release of insulin. There's something called the glycemic index. And basically, it's kind of a comparative tool that tells us, relatively speaking, how quickly or dramatically a food uh, will make your blood sugar rise. And for fat loss, we want to minimize that blood sugar rise and keep the subsequent insulin release as small as possible. So the higher the glycemic index on a scale of uh, one to 100, the more dramatically it will raise your blood sugar. So a Snickers bar, for example, scores a 41. You know what raises your blood sugar more than a Snickers bar? Table sugar. That makes sense. It scores a 59. You know what raises your blood sugar? More than straight table sugar or a Snickers bar? Shredded wheat. Yep, seriously, it gets a 67. So your Snickers bar got a 41, your table sugar gets a 59, your shredded wheat gets a 67. You know what raises your blood sugar even more than that? White bread. White bread gets a 69. Now this is where it gets crazy. You know what raises your blood sugar even more than a Snickers bar or table sugar or shredded wheat or white bread? whole grain bread, it gets a 72. Wheat has a higher glycemic index or a greater ability to raise your blood sugar than almost any other food out there except for dried fruits because all the water has been removed. They're basically just little sacks of sugar or things like cornstarch and potato starch. Wheat, whole grains. All right, so let's get practical. Remember I said that carbs aren't necessarily bad, but when we're looking for fat loss, we have to choose the right carbs at the right time in the right amount. We need to pair them the right way and we need to respect our glucose storage sites in the muscle and liver. So what are the right carbs? We love to end our episodes with practical implementation so let's get real here. The right carbs are gonna be carbs that have less of an impact on your blood sugar, less of an ability to spike your blood sugar Because the more of a spike in the blood sugar it produces, the greater a release of insulin, which keeps us out of fat-burning mode. So the right carbs would be things like berries or your less sweet fruits like apples or citrus. Any carbs from whole food sources are going to be a much better choice than processed foods. So whole food sources like potatoes or sweet potatoes, right? those are gonna be better. We really want to avoid the processed carbohydrates, the refined sugars, simple sugars, things like that. We really wanna focus for fat loss on carbohydrates from berries, less sweet fruits, and whole food sources like potatoes or sweet potatoes. So what is the right time? I did a whole episode on this, and I'll link to it in the show notes, but you want to avoid carbohydrates in the morning because here's the deal. You wake up because you've been fasting overnight with low blood sugar and low insulin, so you'll be the most sensitive to a rise in your blood sugar in the morning. So even a moderate carbohydrate will have a greater impact on your blood sugar in the morning because you're so sensitive because you've been fasting overnight. So the right time is going to be at your dinnertime meal or post-workout. So we've covered the right carbs at the right time. What's the right amount? For fat loss, you really don't want to exceed a half a cup. And you can play around with a quarter cup or a half a cup and see where you get the most results. If you're getting fat loss results with a half a cup of carbohydrates at your dinnertime meal or post-workout, keep doing that. Don't drop it down because over time, you might become a little more sensitive and you might need to drop it down then. So if you're getting results with a half a cup at your dinnertime meal or post-workout, stay there. Otherwise, you can drop down to a quarter of a cup. And then we want to pair them the right way. One of the ways that we can reduce that blood sugar rise and the subsequent release in insulin is by having fat or protein or both with our carbohydrates. This is gonna slow the digestion down, slow the release of sugar into the blood and require less of an insulin response. So if you are having your dinnertime meal, you want to make sure that you've got some good protein in there, either from um, grass-fed beef or from um, wild fish or something like that. And adding healthy fat, whether that's avocado or cooking your protein or your vegetables in oil, adding grass-fed butter to your sweet potato, you want to make sure that you've got fat or protein there to slow the digestion so there's less of an impact on your blood sugar. And then the last thing in terms of optimizing uh, your body for fat loss and still being able to enjoy carbohydrates is really thinking hard about those storage sites. If you are active, you are going to tap into and turn over your muscle storage of glycogen. And glycogen is just a storage form of glucose. So when the, when the insulin checks first to see if it can put any excess glucose in the muscle, it's gonna convert it into the storage form called glycogen. But when we work out, we can tap into that muscle reserve. So the next time we eat carbohydrate and insulin comes in to shuttle it somewhere to be stored, we don't go into that carbohydrate spillover. We don't go into that lipogenesis or that fat creation. Instead, it gets stored in the muscle to be used for our next workout. So the best way to tap into this muscle storage and make sure we're turning it over is going to be through high-intensity workouts, like high-intensity intervals, or lifting heavy weights. And the great thing about high intensity intervals, I don't want you to be turned off by this if you're somebody with a lot of weight to lose or somebody that's new to fitness. The great thing about high intensity intervals is that it's totally relative. This is something you can do at any fitness level. So if you're a beginner, and even if you don't have a gym membership, that's fine. You can set your um, your timer on your cell phone or on your stove for one minute, And for one minute, you go as fast as you can up and down the stairs, whether that's jogging or walking or sprinting. You're going to go as hard as you can for one minute, and then you're going to rest for a minute. And then you can do it again and you do this five or six different times or you can do it with push-ups. You can do it with body weight squats. You can do it with burpees. If you have a higher fitness level, you have a gym membership, there are tons of awesome high intensity interval workouts. And I post a lot of the ones that I do uh, on the Primal Potential Fat Loss Facebook page and on my Instagram account. Um, So you can check those out there. But regardless of your fitness level, you can do these high intensity intervals because high intensity is totally relative. Starting out, high intensity might be just walking up and down the stairs in your house, right? But over time, that might become jogging, that might become sprinting, whatever else. So high intensity is relative. Do not let that term freak you out. If you're doing intervals of push-ups you can start by doing them against a wall. And when you get a little bit stronger, you can drop down and do them on your knees. And when you get a little bit stronger, you can do them on your toes, right? When you get a little bit stronger, you can do them on a decline. So there are lots of different variations. High intensity is absolutely relative. So, all right, we've covered a ton of stuff today. At the end of the day, it boils down to understanding the way uh, carbohydrates are metabolized and what happens when we raise our blood sugar and require this big insulin response. We want to choose the right carbs, we want to eat them at the right time in the right amount with the right pairing, and we really want to get active so that when we do eat carbohydrates, we don't go into this spillover mode and we don't have them stored as body fat. So, I really appreciate you guys tuning in today, sticking with me for a little bit of a longer episode. I love knowing what you wanna hear about, so please do get in touch with me. You can leave a comment on the show notes page or you can send me an email, elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Let me know what topics you wanna hear about, what questions you'd like me to answer. And like I mentioned, on the show notes page, there will be links to lots of different resources so you can learn more about this stuff, some of the meals that I eat to help me maximize my fat-burning stage at all points of the day, uh, as well as some different workouts and things like that that might help get you started. So thanks so much for tuning in, and until next time, stay healthy.